0: the GPS right God's positioning system and that's the Word of God so let's turn to that we're going to book uh, the book of Leviticus no surprise this may be the last uh, study in Leviticus we'll see see what Jesus says but if you'll go to Leviticus chapter 23 let's go to the Word of God Are you feeling the presence of the Lord this morning? He's kind of moving and pushing and nipping and tucking, uh, right? A little hair uh, clipping, maybe a little uh, hemming in of the garments. You know, I feel the adjusting of the Lord this morning, and that's a good thing, right? Sometimes we outgrow the things we're in, and God's got to enlarge them, enlarge your tents. Some of you are wearing tents, and God's enlarging it. Some of us are looking a little shabby, and he's just clipping and snipping and primping. That's what he's doing for his bride. He's ministering to us this morning. And I really feel a, a directive this morning of that. Uh, and I, I always take uh, from the Lord a, that, that when he brings correction or when he brings a word to us uh, that we're to get a, aligned with, I always uh, am excited about that because that means we're ready For direction. Do you know what I'm saying? That means you're ready to hear something and that means God knows you're going to respond. So it's a place of maturity and I I thank God for that. Now let's turn to uh, the Leviticus chapter 23 and what I'm going to do is outline this portion of scripture for you and it has to do with the appointed times of the Lord. The appointed times of the Lord. We call them the feasts of Israel, the feasts of Jehovah, and God establishes for Israel particular times and days that are going to be feasts that Israel is to remember and commemorate, and each of these feasts has a unique point of view that God wants them to know and understand. And so I'm going to take you through these feasts, and we're going to start at Leviticus chapter 23, verse 4, and uh, it says this, these are the feasts of the Lord. Holy convocations which you shall proclaim at their, what? Appointed times. These are appointed times. Now we call them the feasts of Israel. God gave them to Israel. But I want you to know, they're the feasts on the appointed times of the Lord. They're His. It just doesn't belong to Israel. And as we're going to look here in a little bit, we're going to see that God establishes times and seasons from the foundations of the earth. These appointed seasons and times were in the heart of God. These are the Lord's feasts. And so whether it's Old Testament, New Testament, whatever dispensation, these things are set on the timetables of God's clock. So these are the Lord's feasts. They haven't been done away with. In fact, the next verse, Leviticus 23 verse 21 says, it's my statute forever in all your dwelling places throughout your generations. So whether the temple exists or the temple's destroyed, wherever your dwelling place is, these feasts are eternal. They're established in the heavens, literally, in the heavens and in the earth and in the will of God, which is settled and established in heaven forever. Okay? So these feasts are not just nice little Jewish things to remember from now and then. They have greater meaning and impact, and we're going to look at that today. And so these feasts are very important to God. In fact, the Hebrew word for set or appointed times, set times, appointed times, is moedim. Now, how many of you have a moedim? It's one way to remember this. What is a moedim? You know what? I, I, I could ask you, Brian, but I'm going to do it myself here a modem, I'm going to look this up, modular demodular. That's what modem means, modular demodular. In other words, modular to modular. What it does is it takes the information of one computer and transfers it to another. Takes that data, puts it over a hard wire or, or uh, not a wire or wireless, but it takes one information, sends it to another. So it's a modem. And in Hebrew, it's modem. Not modem, that's an aspirin. Uh, modem. You can tell that I'm an expert at linguistics. <laughs> a Moedim. Think about it for a minute. In the mind of God and in the concept of God, he wanted to download these time clocks and time pieces into planet Earth, so much so that, in fact, creation is ordered around this time piece. You would think that our times are ordered around creation, that creation set the times, but in fact... God set these things before creation began. He set the timepiece, the timings, and everything that he was going to do through Christ Jesus. Then it says on the fourth day, he established the sun and the moon for times and seasons. So he set the clock up after he had the plan. All right, and so what he did was he downloaded this Plan of the ages and purposes of God. He set them in his sovereignty and majesty. Then he set up the cosmos to reflect that timepiece, and it's been ticking ever since he said, let there be light. And as it began ticking and operating, he then downloaded this information from his will, his mind, his logos, And he brought it into mankind, gave it to Israel to set up the patterns and seasons so all of man would be aware of what time it is. You getting this? This is cool. At least I think it is. Let's take a look at creation, Genesis 1.14. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark three things, seasons, days, and years. And so we have a sun and a moon to mark the seasons, days, and years. Now, Jewish calendars are based on the lunar, the moon, all right? secular societies, pagan societies, are based on the sun. We switched over uh, at some point from a lunar calendar to a sun calendar. Uh, Sometime in history, I didn't bother to research. But uh, God operated and put the moon and sun in place. Now again, as I say, it's interesting because this took place on the fourth day. When God said, let there be light, he wasn't talking about the sun in the sky. He was talking about the revelation of who he was. And as soon as he began to create, he began to manifest the revelation of himself. For the word made and created all things. We're getting deep now, alright? And so the word is that manifestation, that revelation, and the light of the world, and the light of God. And so God exposed and revealed himself as creator when he said, let there be light. And he began and he spoke, and now there is an understanding of God in the as opposed to just being him to everything else. And he begins to create everything. And by the fourth day, he says, I'm going to start this thing. I'm going to start the clock. And he does. He creates the sun and the moon. And so then he begins to establish seasons, days, and years. And when you look at these feasts, they are set up to establish particular seasons, the early rains and the latter rains. Uh, The early harvest and the fall harvest. The spring harvest, fall harvest. These are the seasons. And Jesus said, you're not going to know the day or the hour, but you can discern the what? Season. All right? We already know the season he's going to return in, the fall. Yeah, totally. I'll get to that in a little bit. But he's definitely returning in the fall. We know the season. We just don't know the day or the hour or the particular year. But if you look at this, the seasons he's given are the festivals or the feasts or the Moedim to the people so that they would begin to discern what's going to happen in those seasons. And so as he gave the festivals for the seasons, he also gave days. And on particular days, he established the new moons. And so what he did by that is, he said every new moon, there's a cycle of moon, by the way it revolves around the earth and all that, and every new moon would establish a new month. Now he's establishing months within this time uh, season. So he starts off with seasons, right? Just a basic spring and fall type thing. Then he begins to break it down into units of months by the lunar calendar, which establishes new moons and sabbaths the sabbaths now come every 7 days so you have new moons at the beginning of the month and you have sabbaths every 7 days and you see how he's beginning to break down the timepiece and the time clock and he says i want to be involved in your daily activity i want to be your time clock i want to my will to be in your purposing of what to do how many of you you got watches wrist you got watches strapped on your wrist or on your iphone or ipad we have watches everywhere we don't need to wear have a watch anymore there's clocks everywhere right i wouldn't be surprised a few years that they start projecting the time in the clouds just look up i have an alarm clock that projects on the ceiling yeah has anybody got one of those little infrared projector thing i got rid of it it would project red letters up there you know numbers and you know you kind of toss and turn you wake up you look and it's like oh, i thought it was five it's one <laughs> every time you wake up you're like okay it's terrible i got rid of it till the one day i got to tell this story till the one day i woke up and in red on the ceiling it said sin Man, I was terrified. <laughs> I thought, this is the red letter edition. It says sin, and I'm thinking, oh God, what did I do? You're speaking to me, writing on the wall. But my eyes were really blurry, and it, it was, uh, uh, I'm trying to remember, it was uh, five, and the two dots look like an I, and I forget what the thing that looked like an N. Uh, what was that? I don't know, you figured it out. But once I cleared my eyes, I saw, oh, it's 510. You know or something like, no, it was 511, 511. that's what it was. It was 511 in the morning, but with blurry eyes it looked like sin. <laughs> I'm unplugging this thing. But God's got a timepiece in us. You know what? Isn't it funny that we rule the time and we invite him into our daily activities? And that's not the way it's supposed to be established. We need to be running our lives on His time table. And so he established. Seasons, days, and then last of all, years. You know, you take seven days in a week and those weeks in a month and you get 12 months in a year. And he established years in the way that this whole timepiece works. We've got to reevaluate the the way you're looking at things and that this entire cosmos is established for the purpose and the will of God's timepiece. It's that important. And then these years are established for the jubilees. And so that's what God is telling Israel in Leviticus 23. It's very fascinating and very interesting when you begin to look at it that it's not simply, you know, have a party. And so let me help break this down a little bit to you in a 3-2-1 countdown. All right, so in a 3-2-1, go. Three feet because three times in the book of Leviticus, when it talks about festival, it uses the work uh, the word regal, which regalism, which means feet. And he says this, that on three of the feasts I want your feet, yeah, to walk to Jerusalem and come before me. There were three feasts that they were to go to Jerusalem. The Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is Passover, okay? All people, adults, were supposed to go to the temple, Go, no matter where they lived in Israel, they were to go to Jerusalem to offer sacrifice and meet with God. That was the first place they were to walk their feet. said, I want you to stop what you're doing and show up. Come to me. It's the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Then it was the Feast of Pentecost. Do you remember Pentecost? You remember why on the day of Pentecost there were so many people there that Peter began preaching? Because it was the feast that they were to bring their feet. They were one of the three feasts. They were supposed to show up in Jerusalem and be there, and they did, and guess what? Something happened. Isn't it interesting that at the feast of Passover and unleavened bread was the time that Jesus was crucified? Something happened on that day. Then 50 days later, as everybody's supposed to return back to the temple? Something happened on that day. And then the third feast that they're supposed to come to is the Feast of Tabernacles. Can I tell you? Something's going to happen on that day. Something's going to happen on that day. So these are the feasts of feet. And so three times a year, you're supposed to stop what you're doing and make your way into the presence of God. That's not asking too much, is it? We've got Easter and Christmas. We only have two where we get people who think about God every now and then and go to church course not you i'm talking about the people who are not here right we really could get rid of easter and christmas and get back to these feasts and understand what they are instead of celebrating the birth of christ but i'll celebrate christmas anytime. december march april uh, june february wherever you want to put it i'll celebrate the birth of jesus i'm not going to get all bent out of shape out of that that's a wonderful thing to celebrate and, and wonderful tradition. But really, we, we celebrate Easter more than anything, right? We just got to get rid of the name, Veshtar. That's the name of a pagan god, Esther. And so uh, we don't need that, do we? We really need to understand that uh, we can celebrate uh, Passover uh, and uh, we can celebrate the resurrection, first fruits, right? We need to celebrate Pentecost, but we also need to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. Let's go to two. Here's two... And he divided these feasts, three of the major ones you're supposed to go to, but he also divided them into two divisions. The spring feasts and the fall feasts. The spring feasts started with Passover, then the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which moved into the Feast of First Fruits. Those three feasts came rapidly, day one after another, within the same week, period. All right? And so the Feast of Unleavened Bread uh, starts with Passover, where they take the Passover lamb, then they move into the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and immediately they move into, three days later, the feasts of First Fruits, after that Sabbath of that day. Fifty days later comes the next feast, called the Feast of Pentecost, which is the harvest feast of the spring harvest. And those are the first set of uh, feast days. Now, two of those they're supposed to attend to. Then the last set of feasts that he's given them is the Feast of Trumpets, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles. And those happen in the fall, later in the year. There's a large gap of time between those two feasts. Hmm, if we looked at the church and the history of God and his timepiece, let's see if we could see a parallel here. On Passover, Jesus goes to Jerusalem. As the Passover lamb is to be selected four days before Passover, Jesus goes to Jerusalem four days before Passover. He enters in, it's the end of his ministry. He just raises Lazarus from the dead. At that point, he waited to demonstrate his power till that very important time because it's at that point where he raised Lazarus from the dead to reveal the power and the anointing of who he is as Messiah. It is by that act that the Pharisees decide he must die. We will do everything we can to kill him. Jesus knew that. That's why throughout his ministry, he's telling people, don't tell anybody. Wait, please don't tell him I healed you. Please don't tell him I delivered him. Because he knew the opposition was going to mount against him and he needed to continue his teaching till the fullness was done. It was done at Lazarus. Passover's coming. He says, I must have Passover. Because he knew it was the appointed time. He raises Lazarus. All hell breaks loose, if you will. Satan is now ready to kill him. He goes into Jerusalem, and now he becomes the Passover lamb. And he is hung on the cross so that you and I and our sins would be placed on him at the feast of Passover. He is then put to death. He surrenders his life. He is then buried, if you'll remember the feast of Passover, the unleavened bread. Right? The matzah is buried, and he is buried in the grave. But three days later, as it's the Feast of First Fruits, he rises from the dead on the Feast of First Fruits because he is the First Fruits from the dead. In keeping with the Genesis proclamation of seasons, times, and days appointed by God as signs to mankind. Right? Right? You with me? Everybody there? I can start over. We're good. Okay. Then he is with his disciples, walks with them, talks with them, teaches them and uh, for 40 days, and then he ascends into heaven and says, wait in Jerusalem. So 10 days they have to wait. And then on the feast of Pentecost, all the Jews come back, They're supposed to put their feet to it, come back to the presence of God, and on the Feast of Pentecost, what happens? The outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the church, the people of God, and now, sins forgiven, the very power of God and His nature... Come to dwell in mankind, because the blood of Jesus cleansed us from our sin. Now God can reside in man. And on the day of Pentecost, they are filled with the Spirit. They run out into the streets. God has them begin speaking in all the known languages of the people of that day, as well as I would imagine the 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 tongues of angels and men. They hear it, they discern it. They think they're all drunk. He says, "Look at this. Is that?" This is that which Joel prophesied about. What did Joel prophesy about? The spring rains and the fall rains. The beginning season and the final season. And so what he's talking about is the time that the prophets were talking about concerning the time clock of God. That was 2,000 years ago. There's a gap between the spring feasts and the fall feasts. What are we waiting for, brothers and sisters? The return of our Lord Jesus Christ, Him establishing His kingdom upon the earth and the judgment of God upon those who are not His own. Is that awesome? And so that's why we know that Jesus will return in the fall. He will return on the Feast of Trumpets. We just don't know when that is. Well then, Pastor, we could calculate it, can't we? Yeah, a lot of people have tried to do this. They've calculated time and time again. You know why you cannot calculate the Feast of Trumpets? Because it's based on two days. You don't know which day is the Feast of Trumpets by the new moon and by the calculations of that. It's very difficult. You have to wait till it happens to calculate it. But he's coming. And it will be at this time according to his timepiece. No man knows the day or the hour except the Father. And the Father established it in his counsel before the beginning of foundation. But he set it in the stars, he set it in the sky, he set it in the seasons, and the appointment is coming. And that brings us to three, two, one. Jesus is coming back. Amen. Jesus died on Passover. Jesus was buried on unleavened bread. He was raised at first fruits. The Spirit poured out at Pentecost. At the Feast of Trumpets, Christ will return. Of the day of Yom Kippur, he will judge the nations, establish his millennial kingdom, and at the Feast of Tabernacles, we will dwell with him on earth. And he will bring his house here. And by the way, he prepared a house for you and I. And the Feast of Booths, we will, we will, as Revelation 21 says, we will dwell with God for eternity. And there'll be no light in that, that place and no need for the sun. I'm sorry, there will be light. There'll be no need for the sun because the light will be the Lamb who lights that place. Is that awesome or what? And so that's why God established the feasts. He established the feasts so that in those feasts you would discern and see His plan of salvation for mankind. In Passover, you would see that He would be the Lamb who will bring salvation to us. In Unleavened Bread, you will see that there is no sin within Him. He who is sinless came and broke the power of death. In First Fruits, you will see that He is the firstborn from the dead, the one who broke the power of sin and death, and He is bringing many brethren through that First Fruits that we would rise from the grave and live with Him eternally. And on Pentecost, it's when the law was given to Israel... It's when the law was put in our hearts and the very Spirit of God has made us sons of God to live and act and walk as He would have us as sons of God to live. We're the harvest and now we're supposed to go out and bring this harvest to the world and we have a time to work before the trumpet sounds. Can I tell you that time's running out? Time is running out and you and I have got to get busy. Look at what Peter said concerning this last portion, this feast that is yet to come. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. As some understand slowness, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Peter, if you'll read that passage, goes on to say that there will be scoffers, those who in these last days say, come on, where's your Jesus? Where's your Jesus? 2,000 years. Are you ready to give up on this? Please. Come on. 2,000 years? Really? Your God, where is he? Peter reminds us, our God's not slow. Tick, 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 tick. He has established this thing. He's established this clock. The sun and the moon rise on his clock and his sovereignty. He says how it should go. All things are held together by the power of his word. All things consist through him. This timetable, this timepiece piece is ticking. Whatever war man wants to stop, whatever sin he wants to continue, the clock is running. It's running. It's running. And the reason it has been extended in this period of time between the spring festivals and the fall festivals is so that we, from the day of Pentecost, would bring in the harvest for the Feast of Trumpets. Because he does not want anyone to perish. The reason this clock is ticking and not speeding up, but perfectly setting the pace of God, is so that more people would get saved so that more people would have an opportunity. And that means you and I have an opportunity to bring someone else to Christ. This day, this hour, consider now when you think about time that every second is ordained of God. Every minute is calculated by the will of the Father from the beginning of time. Every hour has the weight of eternity in someone's life. Every day matters and counts and every year is getting shorter to the time of Christ because when he comes, it is over. It's done. It's done. For it is appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. Everybody has an appointment on this clock. Every one of us is on the clock we don't know what tomorrow brings we don't know how many days we have god number my days so that i may be wise there's a purpose for every season and everything under heaven do you understand the weight of glory in this thing huh that every minute holds the weight of god's power and glory how we waste our time God even set up rest in the middle of this thing because you can do it wrong and get all messed up. He says, You've got to keep getting focused back to me. He set Sabbath up so that we would get back to Him, refreshed. That's why you're here today, so that we'd get refreshed in God and we would be encouraged by God and then we would be ready to go out and move. I love this by Habakkuk chapter 2, 3. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false, though it linger. Wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. Jesus said, when I come, I'm coming like a thief in the night. It's going to happen in the flash of an eye. This thing's over. It's, you know, you're know, you going to hear a trumpet blast, and in the same ability for the sound waves to hit your ear, it's over. It's over. So you can't, you can't go, oh, I heard a trumpet. Jesus said, too, oh, you missed. It's too late. By the time you hear that trumpet, the blink of it, it's done, it's over. And so is, in, in many people's lives, their own life is over like that. It's like a vapor. The grass withereth and the flowereth die, but the word of the Lord is eternal. Now, I love this. The revelation waits for an appointed time. God has appointed times for every one of us. It speaks to the end. It's not going to prove false. Trust the word of the Lord. Some of you are frustrated because you've been waiting and waiting on a promise of God. You've been waiting for it to happen. And what you've been looking at is your time clock and the time clock around you. But God set an appointed time for it. And click, click, click. It's happening. It's happening. But according to your timepiece, it's not happening quick enough. But I want to tell you if God said it, it's going to come to pass. He just says, wait for it, wait for it. Wait for it, wait for it, wait for it, wait, wait, huh? You, know, you always see those movies, right? Don't shoot till you see what? The whites of their eyes. No, that's a little too close, right? You got people coming on horses and guns and spears? Wait for it, wait for it, wait for it. Now that's confidence, Right? And then somebody goes, Pew. <laughs> Oh, man, you blew the whole thing. Or someone says, I quit. I can't take this. Right? Don't grow weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap a reward or a harvest. If you do not, what? Faint. Faint of heart. Or if you don't quit. See, the only way the enemy can cancel out A revelation coming at the appointed time is if we who receive it quit on it. Tick, tick, tick. It's coming. Now, I want to finish this with this understanding. Consider this. At the beginning of time, God established His purposes for the salvation of man. He established and then made creation to reflect the time and will and purpose that all of this would come to pass. That when Messiah would come and redeem mankind, when Holy Spirit would come and fill us, when there would be harvest time, and then when Jesus would return, He would set up His millennial kingdom, and then He would establish eternity forever on after that. That was all established at the very beginning. He set the moon, the stars, the sun in place that all of this would articulate properly and in the right timing. He moved people in and out of this timing. He brought Abraham in. He brought Moses in. He brought Israel. You remember whenever you hear them praying in the fullness of time, God heard the prayers and the cries of Israel. He told Abraham, your people will be in captivity for 400 years. Time peace. He told Moses, have your people come out and worship me at this time. I'll establish times and uh, uh, seasons. Then Jesus comes in the fullness of time. Galatians, see the time clock's all set. So listen, all right, here's the structure. God has this established from the beginning to the very end. There is a time, please, keeping track of every day, every hour, every minute for God, every season and every purpose under heaven right? And you are alive today at this point in that time continuum for a specific will. If God has a will for Jesus to come and people to be saved and this piece is moving on, you in fact have a purpose and a reason for being here at this time, at this appointed moment, so that you would do the will of God where he has placed you. You are in God's timepiece. What you do today, God has established and appointed for you to accomplish. Wow. Wow. Am I that important? Yes, you are. And What the devil is doing, he can't stop you from being saved. He can't take that salvation away from you. He can't pluck you out of Jesus' hand. But what he'll want you to do is miss the timing of the Lord. He'll want you to think you don't matter. He'll want you to think that it's not going to happen. Quit. He wants you to miss the will and timing of God. That's the best he could do on this. But we've got the Holy Spirit, an alarm clock in us, telling us when our next appointment is. Right? You can set that appointment up on on your smartphone. Who needs a smartphone? I've got a smart Jesus. I've got a Holy Spirit that rings and beeps and buzzes every time I'm supposed to do something for him. Do you have it set on high, or is it on mute? Hmm? Because today he's got an appointment for you. And that little bling, 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 bling is the Holy Spirit saying, we're here. And you're going like, did you hear that? I don't know, let's go on. Right? Right? And so when you consider that God has got all of this timed out, it is logic and reason that would tell us every moment counts because He established seasons, days, years. That means months, hours, minutes, seconds. That means He's sovereign over all of it, and I'm in it. Therefore, I'm a part of it. Let me close with these scriptures. Genesis eighteen fourteen. Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I'm going to return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. That's God talking to Abraham and Sarah after they tried to set the time clock according to their proportions and their will and what they tried to do to have a child. They messed it all up and had Ishmael. God came and said, look at you two. I told you I'm going to do this. The revelation will come to pass. Though it lingers, wait for it. I'll be back next year. And Sarah laughs. (laughs) You're gonna have a baby. (laughs) Ah. Right. It's read the story, and then he says, Sarah, did you laugh? No. (laughs) She said she lied. She lied to him. She lied to God. I didn't laugh. Yeah, you did. I'll be back next year. I wonder if he did that because she lied right i'll be back next year you know part of waiting is part of the seasoning of god the timing some of you have been waiting because you're not ready for the appointed time you're not ready for what god wants to do you got to marinate for a while till the till the juices get real good inside you till it can happen please wait on god Exodus 9, 5, And the Lord appointed a set time, saying, Tomorrow the Lord shall do this thing in the land. Job 7, 1, It is appointed unto man to be upon the earth, and his days are like the days of a hireling. Hebrews 14, 14, If a man die, shall he live again? All the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change comes. (laughs) Ha ha. In Hebrews 9, 27, It is appointed unto man once to die, then the judgment. We're under an appointment God has established all-time seasons and years for a reason, for his purposes under heaven. You are part of this amazing, miraculous, and wonderful story of God's redemption. Would you invite someone else into this feast so that they may celebrate with us eternally the feasts of God? Let's bow our heads. Oh Jesus, use